0: Welcome to the Good Start podcast. I'm Barney Nelson with another amazing story of how blockchains being used to change people's lives. 25% of vaccines are wasted every year. So that means that one in every four children is possibly receiving a DAD or an expired vaccine next time they go to the vaccination centre. Imagine the global impact of that when UNICEF procures about 4 billion vaccines every year. Sid at StatWig has been using blockchain to cut that waste, bringing transparency and trust to the whole life cycle of vaccines. Hopefully trying to cut waste, identify failures in the supply chain and make sure that everyone wins from manufacturers to distributors and most importantly to the end children that receive the vaccines. It's the most perfect combination of big data and blockchain. So it's really exciting to be able to talk to him about this. <coughs> So Sid, it's a pleasure to have you on the Good Start podcast, and thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Vani. It's a really pleasure on my side as well. Maybe we can just start with where you are focusing and why. I didn't start my career in the supply chain space. In fact, it started on the technology side with investment banking and product development, both here in India and in the Silicon Valley. In 2016, I decided to move back to India from the US, look for interesting problems that I can solve with my background. How did you settle on the vaccines world then? My initial journey didn't start with vaccines but it was around the the steel manufacturing. So I was working with this company which was having lots of issues in the supply chain. They were manufacturing products that would be used for constructing shopping malls and bridges and things like that. But one of the Very common problems they had is they usually ship incorrect shipments, incorrect parts, and uh, they had no mechanism of tracking this real time. They would only know through complaints from the customers. So which was very bad for their reputation. So that's how I came across the supply chain issues and I came across the failures of vaccines, especially when we were working in the sustainability projects in rural India. We were staggered. The amount of wastage in vaccines is Shocking, actually. Nearly 25 to 40 percent of vaccines go to waste. This is a very critical problem to solve. So vaccines are important for children and a lot of children don't even get uh, vaccinated because of the scarcity with the vaccines. And uh, we thought, hey, if we can solve this problem, and identifying these failures and prevent them, That would solve a big socio-economical issue.
0: So that means that one in every four children or people who are being vaccinated are being vaccinated with basically out-of-date or useless vaccines then?
1: So the people are aware that there are going to be failures. So the way they do it is by trying to provide in surplus, right? Hmm. They know that one out of four vaccines is going to get spoiled. So they're going to try to send more vaccines.
0: Right. Either you have one in four samples spoiled or you have a 25 to 40 percent oversupply of vaccines, um, which comes at presumably an enormous
1: cost to the provider of the vaccine. Huge, huge cost. For example, UNICEF procures four billion doses of 4 billion doses of vaccines. It's a huge number. Imagine 24% of it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. 1 billion, yeah. <laughs> it's an expensive process.
0: Presumably, globalization is having an impact on this in terms of maybe even
1: driving those numbers up rather than down. Is that fair? Exactly. So, globalization is making things very interesting, but at, at the same time, it's also making it very complex, and the supply chains are already fragmented and it's making them more fragmented. All this is driving inefficiencies. People are basically more focused on getting products from point A to point B and um, less worried about the wastage that happened during that journey.
0: So essentially, you've got, say, a billion dollars of vaccines kind of going in the bin or spoiling every year and probably hundreds of billions of dollars of food in the same direction. StatWig's come in to change that ultimately. So what's your kind of mission in this space?
1: People have been tracking products for, for ages, but how do we do that if the product has not reached DHL? Uh, if the DHL left the product at your doorstep, how do you still keep tracking it? Because the product might be safe when it was with uh, with a distribution company, but after it has reached a seaport or left at a customer's site, there's still good chances that it can be spoiled. So what we are trying to do is is trying to create decentralization in this old ecosystem, how you track things and how you create visibility. Let's all collectively track these products and create a common system for us to share that information with each other. Rather than I going to someone and asking for information, we are all part of an ecosystem where we can access that information in real time on on a product basis. That's the overall philosophy that we are trying to build into the supply chain. Everyone has a value proposition for them to solve this problem, right? For distributors, it's saving money by preventing failures. For end consumers, it's improved product quality. For manufacturers, it's visibility into their system. There's different needs for different people, but collectively they are working together to prevent these failures in the supply chain.
0: So if I understand you right, the information is there already in terms of everyone tracking their own particular parts of it. But StatWig's aim is to be able to come in and provide a backbone to that. As you said, a foundation layer where the information that parties 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 all have becomes common information and therefore the supply chain becomes more transparent and therefore easier to manage.
1: Exactly. You're absolutely right. So the, the data is already there. This enormous amount of information is collected at each stage. But it's all going into silos, right? So data systems don't talk to each other So there's no point in collecting this data because you only get like these small pockets of view of where the, where the product is and what condition it is in. Mm. So the data is there, but it's kind of useless locked away in an organizational silo.
0: And so in concrete terms, then, what does the solution that you're rolling out look like? I mean, how how does it manifest itself on a daily basis?
1: So what we do is provide dashboards, which provide extended visibility into the supply chain on where the product is, what condition it is in. So at a user level, that's what they see. They see dashboards, which provides them information at a product level, where the product has been, what condition it. Was it stored and distributed?
0: So you're you're really taking a, a whole range of data that exists or has existed for a while, as you said. Anyway, but now publishing that, integrating it into into kind of common visibility.
1: Yes, absolutely. We start it right at the, at the manufacturer level where the serial numbers are printed. So the way we identify products is based on their serial numbers or QR code, which would help us track those products and link all the data at each level of its journey to that particular unique identifier.
0: To, to give an example, then I, I mean, thinking aloud, presumably you're talking about in the vaccine case, a distribution center for vaccines somewhere you're in India. So let's say somewhere in India would be able to receive the vaccines, but be able to see what temperature they've been stored since they were shipped from the manufacturer. And therefore, know whether or not the products are, are, are spoiled or, or good.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tracking is, as as I said before, is not new, right? So the mechanism that we previously used is data loggers tracking the temperature outages. Means that there is a sensor in place in the package which would turn red when there is a temperature failure. So right. when the product finally arrives at a warehouse, they open up the package look at the sensor and see the red light on the data logger. They say, hey, I mean, this has gone through failure, so we'll just throw this away because it's probably useless, right? That's the current process. But what we are doing is augmenting that with the data. So we're saying that, hey, you received a package, but we can also tell you when the failure happened, whether there has been failures at that particular location previously Why are products failing at a particular location? Is there something that we can do? Is it because the the distributor is delivering the package but leaving it in outside in the sun because the warehouse is locked, let's say, from 12 to 2 for lunch break or something like that?
0: So in the old world, as you said, basically a box of vaccines would arrive and the only thing you would know was it was binary. It was either spoiled or good. And arguably many people along the chain would have known where the product was but not necessarily all of them would have known the state that the product was in in the new world you're saying that the entire supply chain becomes transparent and if somebody's leaving 100,000 boxes out in the sun every day and consistently ruining and spoiling you know billion dollars of goods that you know everyone in the supply chain would be able to actually focus on that and be able to do something about it
1: yeah absolutely and it also improves accountability previously if there is a failure everyone points fingers at each other saying that, hey, everything on my side was good. Our trucks were air conditioned, our warehouses were air conditioned. It's not my fault. You have to go and talk to someone else. Mm. But now by using immutable records on blockchain, we record those temperature alerts so that we have a proof of loss we can basically use to identify where the loss happened. So that also improves accountability in the overall system.
0: And so you mentioned blockchain. Presumably, this has been an issue that people have been trying to solve for before, given the sun's involved. You mentioned the immutability point, but what is it overall about blockchain that made it essential for you as, as the foundation layer? What is it that it solves for that was impossible to solve for previously?
1: If we didn't have a solution like blockchain, what would be the alternative? One would be everyone collects data, so they have to talk to each other to identify where the failures are happening. There's a lot of collaboration that is needed um, between these uh, stakeholders. Another alternative is there will be a service provider who would come and say, hey, I will collect all the data from you guys. I will store it in my systems. Whenever you, there is an issue, you come to me and I'll provide you the data. So there's a completely different set of challenges with both both approaches. And on the first one, where people need to collaborate to share data, and talk to each other, It requires a lot of collaboration, which doesn't really happen in today's supply chain because these are competing providers sometimes. It's very fragmented market. It's not their core, core business, right? So they don't right. want to be involved in building tools, uh, which share data. On the second hand, they don't want to give their data to someone else, right? So and create another Google or Facebook right. where they control their, <laughs> their entire uh, supply chain information and they basically get logged in uh, with that particular vendor. So. That's where I think blockchain provides an alternative. So they're looking at a decentralized system so where no one is controlling the data, but it's also distributed so they can all contribute to the platform by sharing data. And one of the other things which is also important is the immutability aspect of it. One single stakeholder can't manipulate all the data and tamper with it. So these different characteristics Blockchain basically solves some of their existing challenges. It's basically an alternative. I'm not saying that it's the only solution. So the solutions that I mentioned previously also exist, but this provides a better alternative. Instead of
0: it needing to be provided ultimately by a single organization or institution, if you like, and all the benefits and costs that that brings with it, it's a, a distributed platform that that doesn't need an institutional level of trust because ultimately you can't you can't mess with the the data anyway.
1: Yeah, and it, it can grow organically as well, right? So a manufacturer can have 10 different distributors, right? If a new distributor wants to use the same platform, they can easily do so.
0: I'm Barney Nilsson. I hope you're enjoying this Good Start podcast. So far, we've heard about the big picture and the reasons why blockchain was a necessary part of the solution. And we're going to go on now to hear about the practicalities of using blockchain and using this solution in the real world. Before we do, though, one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast is to make sure that you have a chance to get involved. So please do reach out. If you'd like to get in touch or involved in any way, look us up on thevalueexchange.co slash goodstart or friend us on Facebook or LinkedIn. Thanks and back to the podcast. And so where are you with the project then in terms of rolling out?
1: Our first pilot started in 2000, early 2017, tracking fish from coastal Andhra Pradesh, which is on the eastern coast of India, to countries like Singapore and Dubai. So that was a very successful project, and it helped save a lot of wastage. In, in the middle of 2018, what we decided to do is Hey, we can't scale uh, by doing projects. So what we decided at that point is to productize what we do. So we said, hey, 80% of this is something that we do from project to project, right? So we took that 80% and let's create a product that we can deploy more easily and efficiently. That's when we got even interest from organizations like UNICEF. They have joined us in the efforts to build that product.
0: Am I right that you saved about 400,000 pounds of fish per month on the example that you first worked on?
1: That's right. It was a very successful project that got us a lot of attention as well. So our objective is to provide data. The applications could be built by us or the customer can build their own applications as well. So we can use that data to say that whenever there's a temperature alert, we'll send you notifications to your phone so Mm -hmm. that you can take some action. But there could be a lot more applications as well. Uh, for example, this is from a project in U.S. The insurance companies were very interested in the data because today for them to understand where the failure happened to process a claim is very difficult, right? They have to send out an investigator to find out where the failure happened and uh, get the, gather that data and process the claim, which is very expensive for them. Instead, if the data is already available, so they can build simple applications to leverage that data, to simplify claims, so they can automatically process claim because they know where the failure happened, how it happened, and also get better risk data, so they understand, hey, what's the risk with this particular supply chain, right, so that they can define their policies in a better way. So the applications are enormous. With UNICEF, we are putting a lot of or work on open source so that people can build applications on top of
0: And do you find it in, in the vaccine space, I mean, do you find that there is enough information across the supply chain? Or do you find that when you come to actually integrate all of the data, that there are gaps that you need to be filling? Or do you find that it's just a question of assembling the data that's already there?
1: One of the... I would say challenges is how do we get the data from even if if it already exists yeah. um, because we're talking about different systems data being stored on on paper some of the health centers and places like that although it's it's easy to say that hey we we gather data and push it uh, on a distributed ledger getting that information itself is a big challenge so right. instead of someone entering the data how do we collect that data automatically using sensors or uh, any other tools.
0: So one of the points that you've got to work on then is making sure there's more data available. Presumably, there's also an element of getting people to play properly together. You mentioned you know, the, the challenges of competition in the supply chain. How do you force people ultimately to divulge this information and, and to, to be able to work together,
1: albeit through you? Everyone gets a different value out of using the ecosystem or using the platform. So there's manufacturers, there's distributor. in most of the cases, some organizations like UNICEF or uh, different governments, state governments, right? So it could be health Department of uh, India, they are the ones who procure those vaccines from the distributors. And then they distribute it to the different health centers, which might or might not be under, under the government. So they could be a different organization altogether, which would then deliver it to the child. So there's different people involved, but interestingly, all of them have have different value that they can extract out of the system. For example at at a manufacturer level they create the product and they hand it over to distributors. They don't care if there is a failure of vaccines somewhere along the line. I mean they might care but in reality it would mean that they would be able to sell more vaccines. If more fail they can sell more. But the bigger value for them is say if uh, someone a child was given, delivered an expired vaccine and Mm -hmm the child gets sick, the first person who would get blame for it yeah. is the brand that has the name on the vial of vaccine, which is right. the pharmaceutical company or if there is a fake vaccine which is a common occurrence these days people are basically replacing real vaccines or just introducing fake vaccines into the ecosystem so they look like they came from a manufacturing company but they just contain some sugar water or something at the end of the day so it's a reputational damage for the manufacturer so they need to have more visibility on where their products are whether they're safe or not the second mm. interest is demand and capacity planning has always been a biggest challenge for Any manufacturer, right? How do I predict demand so that I can manufacture exact amount of products without having extra costs and inefficiencies into the system? By having visibility data, now I know exactly how many of my products are at a health center level, at a distributor level, at a warehouse level, so that I can plan my manufacturing in a better way. On the other hand, distributors, for them, it's very simple. It's expensive to distribute the product, to store it and distribute it. So if I can reduce the cost of distribution, that's a huge advantage for me, right? The other thing is for distributors, they have to negotiate the price with manufacturers. Every time they buy a product, they have to negotiate a price. Now, if they have the data to negotiate a better price, that's also a big benefit for them. So it's a different incentives for different people. And
0: so these are very acute problems, you know, in terms of people being able to protect their reputation plan for capacity and then on the distribution side to be able to reduce the cost of spoilage do you have a sense yet of the quantum of the impact that using blockchain will make on this I mean how how big an impact do you think this can make
1: it's going to be a huge impact even in terms of vaccines so even if we can say 5% that's still uh, 200 to 500 million doses of vaccines these are products which move at a very high volume so it's mm. a volume play so if we right. can improve improve it by small percentages, we can create a huge impact. How
0: much is the data integration an obstacle to scale? Each time you come to a new distributor or manufacturer and their proprietary data source, you presumably have to work with that. How are you able to achieve the scale that we need to to get to the five percent ten percent saving
1: so luckily there's only very few systems that you will find with these uh, different players there's hundreds and thousands of distributors but they all use something very similar when it, when you actually do it for the first 10 customers you probably don't have to do it again at all uh, because right. you have covered almost all the combinations so in a way, it feels like a big big problem, but it's not in the long run. Even we were thinking that it would be, it would not be scalable when we started the project. But as we started uh, working on these projects, we realized that there's not too many different types of system that they really use.
0: And just on the implementation point, I think you've had the opportunity to start at the top of the pyramid by having the support of UNICEF, the Willem and Melinda Gates Foundation as well, I think, to be able to say, okay, well, look, if the ultimate paymasters for the supply chain are forcing your solution down on the supply chain presumably that gets a lot easier in terms of rollout and getting people to play well together
1: oh yeah definitely i mean as a startup it is very hard for us to push a new solution in this traditional industry so by having a support of a big organization like UNICEF, it becomes very easy to get uh, their suppliers who are all the pharma companies on board and also the the governments at different countries are more more open to parts Participating as well. So having a big player who controls a big market share makes it really easy in getting others engaged in the product. Right.
0: So if you tried to do this 10, 15 years ago, you could have been a single organization with your own database and plugged into the small number of systems that are used in the industry to track this. But ultimately, you'd have ended up with probably patchy data and possible trust issues in terms of the fact that it's all sitting in your in your own private world. Whereas now with the work that you're doing, you're able to fill in the patches of the data and ultimately collect all the data to a point where it becomes open source and accessible to all so that the byproduct doesn't just sit on somebody's private database. It it's for global consumption, if you like, and therefore much more accessible to distributors, to manufacturers, to insurance companies, and so on and so forth.
1: Absolutely, yeah, that's exactly right. And therefore, by, by
0: filling in the patches and by making it available and just essentially getting everyone to talk to each other, I guess, or being getting everyone to see each other's data, you can make an impact on that billion dollars also, of wastage or oversupply that happens in the vaccine world and then multiples of that in the food world. Yeah, that's right. Brilliant. And so last question then, how do you see the next few years playing out for
1: Statweek? A lot of solutions that you see in the market, especially in the blockchain space, there's a lot of skepticism in terms of whether they scale, whether they can uh, capture data for millions of products or billions of products. Uh, they can do that securely, uh, whether they can uh, capture that data without failing. So that's where our focus is. Uh, this to build that scalable product to um, billions of uh, serial
0: numbers. Right. So really focusing very, very much on that billion dollars of of vaccine overspend, if you like, and and see how much impact you can make on that.
1: Yeah, that's right. So that would give us a lot of metrics into the impact that we can create. That sounds like you've got a busy
0: time ahead of you. And I think for me, the most important thing is if you could make sure that, you know, that one in four people that get a sport vaccine can be reduced down to even one in five or down to one in 10 through bringing transparency and immutability. It's, it's a, it's an incredible step forward. So best of luck with it. And I really, really look forward to hearing how you get on. Thank you, Bonnie. Yeah. I'm Barney Nelson, and thanks for listening to this week's Good Start episode. Next week, there'll be another amazing story about how blockchain is being used for good, and so make sure to join us then. In the meantime, if you'd like to get involved, look us up on thevalueexchange.co slash goodstart or on LinkedIn or Facebook. Thanks, and see you next week.